0: This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, and this is The Full Story.
1: Some of Australia's swimming superstars has arrived, have arrived in Birmingham ahead of the Commonwealth Games.
0: In Birmingham, England, the 22nd Commonwealth Games are well underway. While Australia is leading the medal tally and achieving world firsts, particularly in the pool, Australia's swimming team has also been mired in a confected tabloid scandal, with athletes slamming the media for coverage that they say has impacted their mental health. It took all my courage and all my energy just to stand behind the blocks and swim this morning. More broadly, the unique nature of the Commonwealth Games as a celebration of common values with nations the British Empire once exploited continues to provoke controversy, with some describing it as a relic of the past. Today, world firsts, scandal, and pomp at the Commonwealth Games. It's Wednesday, the 3rd of August. Okay, Emma, you've been covering the Commonwealth Games. What has that been like for you so far? A bit sleep deprived. Emma Kemp is Guardian Australia's Deputy Sport Editor.
1: I started at uh, 3.30 this morning. Um, Oof. All the finals and, you know, all the, all the really important matches are sort of at the crack of dawn here. Um, so it's been, it's been kind of a split shift, you know, besides watching stuff in the evening uh, late into the night and then getting up pretty early in the morning.
0: Mm. From what I've seen of the coverage so far, a lot of it has seemed to focus on Australia's swimming team. Why is that? Tell me about our swimming team this year.
1: Well, it's strong like it was at the Tokyo Olympics last year. So that's, you know, that's a big reason. Um, and given that the US and Japan and Russia and some of those big countries that are at the Olympics aren't here. We win a lot of medals in the swimming. So it's, you know, good athletes, great medal chances um, and, of course, there's also been, you know, that drama around the the supposed love triangle um, which has just dominated the media coverage um, throughout these games and, you know, generated probably more coverage than what the medals have.
0: I want to get into that in a second but I'm wondering if we can start with who is in this team and who's most important to know. Tell me about that.
1: Well, it's pretty hard to miss Emma McKeon's name, I think, uh, if you've been paying any attention at all. She was our most decorated Olympian um, last year. She's been sort of a quiet achiever for much of her career, but she really came to the fore last year. And and just at the weekend, she became the most successful Commonwealth Games athlete in history. So um, we're talking of about 40,000 athletes that have competed at these games since they began in the 1930s. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible, to be honest. Mm, I
0: heard an interview that she gave to Channel 7, which is the official broadcaster where a lot of these interviews were first aired, and it sounded like she was pretty overwhelmed with this outcome. Emma, we've done a couple of calculations. They're a little bit crude, but by our standards, 40,000 athletes have competed at the Commonwealth Games. You are the person who holds the most gold medals. <sighs> I don't know what you want me to say.
1: She was at the time sitting on 10 gold medals, um, equal with Liesl Jones, Ian Thorpe and Susie O'Neill. And, you know, they're, as we know, they're some of our all time greatest swimmers that Australia's ever had. Mm. And she won her 11th Commonwealth Games gold medal, which um, put her in the history books as the most successful.
0: What is she known for in terms of swimming? What types of events does she do?
1: So she's known best for sort of short to middle distance, I guess, you know, so 50 metres, as I just mentioned, um, up to about 200 metres. Um, she's a prodigious workhorse. She usually swims the most events of the Australian team at any given meet, and she did so at the Olympics last year as well. She's she's really versatile, but her real specialty is freestyle and her butterfly, so She's, I guess, you could say that Emma McKeon has been kind of the linchpin of Australia's swimming team for the past few years, Along, mm-hmm. alongside Ariane Titmuss, of course. She's, she's probably the other really well-known.
0: Can you tell me about her swimming career up to this moment, up to becoming the world's best Commonwealth Games athlete?
1: She was actually kind of born into swimming royalty. Her father, Ron, is a former Olympian and a four-time Commonwealth Games champion, in middle distance freestyle and her mum Susie and her uncle Rob also swam for Australia so she's kind of she was born into this family with this you know world of expectation on her shoulders and Mm. she has kind of spoken a little bit about that before about the pressure she excelled in swimming from a very young age at 17 she was a rising star at the 2012 national championships in Adelaide um, which was also actually the trial event for the London Olympics. She was hopeful of qualifying, um, but she narrowly missed out. Mm. And at that point she was a, at a bit of a crossroads, I guess. You know, She was thinking about the future and wondering if she was good enough and just thinking about the fact that she'd have to spend another four years training for something that she may narrowly miss out on again. And I guess that's the, that's the mental anguish that a lot of athletes go through um, in an Olympic cycle. But she didn't. She... She stuck it out, and it's probably a good thing she didn't walk away because about 12 months later is when she, I guess, really started to make waves, really started to find her feet in the swimming world, and bronzes turned to silvers, turned to gold. She dominated at the 2014 Commonwealth Games in Glasgow with four gold medals. Then she was a standout in the pool um, at the Rio Olympics, in 2016, which you might remember was a pretty disappointing Olympics for the Australian swim team. So mm. I guess you could say she's been a bit of a bright spark during that period. 2018 com Games on the Gold Coast at home, she won four gold medals as well along with two bronze medals. So, you know, I'm just kind of rolling these off my tongue. There are there are too many to go through individually.
0: Mm, medal after medal after medal really in a short space of time. <laughs>
1: exactly. There's been a lot. <laughs> And you know she she added to that yet again um, in Tokyo last year when she won she won four gold medals which is it's a huge achievement at an Olympic Games to to win one gold medal but to win four um, she added three bronze medals just I don't know for kicks basically <laughs> and you know in doing so she became our most successful Australian at a single Olympics um, only one other woman in history has won seven medals at one Olympics and only two men have won eight so. So there was just no doubting at that point that she really was, you know, one of our greatest of all time. Mm.
0: Who else do we need to know about from the Australian swimming team? So one of the other big stories
1: is the fact that Cody Simpson has qualified.
0: Cody Simpson will make his debut in Birmingham, competing in up to four events in the pool. His campaign will start tonight in the men's 50 metre butterfly heats.
1: So he was a very good junior swimmer, but this is actually the biggest swimming event of his career so far. He's also attracted a lot of attention at these games and in the months leading up to because he's currently dating Emma McKeon, which is something they actually only confirmed a few weeks ago when he posted on social media some photos of him um, out and about with her. I think he said, you know, he was traveling with my love or something along those lines, which basically just confirmed that there are a couple. Um, but most people probably recognize his name because he's a globally famous pop star.
0: Break down what's going on here today and what this preview is.
1: Um yeah, well, I um early June, I got four songs coming out from from the album, and it was just to give a li- my fans a little taste of of what's to come, really.
0: Just to touch on his pop star career a little bit before we come back to swimming. I mean, when we were discussing doing this episode, I think, Everyone knew one random fact about Cody Simpson's career, but no one knew <laughs> every part of the picture. You know, people would bring up that he dated Miley Cyrus, he's also dated Gigi Hadid, and has a bunch of really popular pop songs, one with Flo Rida. <laughs> He's just done something in every area, it feels like. Like, he's also been on The Masked Singer, the reality TV show, and, and one, playing as
1: a as a robot. <laughs> yes, he did. I was in the car the other day and I had one of those Spotify playlists on and I was, like, popping along to a song. And I, said, hey, pretty brown eyes. Later and I was like, I wonder who this is by, and it was Pretty Brown Eyes. Wow. So I realised I do actually know who he is.
0: Okay, so I just want to find out a little bit more about how a pop star ended up representing Australia at the Commonwealth Games, because I, I think that's pretty unique. I'm fairly sure that's never happened before. <laughs> how, how did this come about, Emma?
1: Well, as I mentioned before, he was actually uh, a champion junior swimmer. So Um, He comes from a swimming family just like Emma. Uh, His mother Angie raised for Australia at the 1987 Pan Pacific Games Mm. and his father Brad swam for Australia at the 1994 Mm. Commonwealth Games. Um, He himself won two golds um, in the Queensland Swimming Championships in 2009. So he was was a little tight back then Mm. and uh, that was around the same time that he decided to upload some songs to YouTube. Um, and they came to the attention of uh, Sean Campbell, who is the Grammy-nominated record producer in the U.S. And he got a contract. He was signed by Atlantic Records. Mm. Since then, he's toured globally um, on the back of three solo studio albums, Paradise, Surface Paradise, and Free, which, um, I mean, I guess you can tell he's from Queensland, right? <laughs> For sure. Um, and, and, you know, at that point in time, um, his swimming career was sort of sidetracked. It just didn't go any further at that point in time.
0: So that's a pretty fascinating and interesting career with kind of global fame. Why and when did he pivot back to swimming?
1: He sort of made that move in 2019. He kept it secret for a few months. Um, he just started swimming in the US, got a coach, started doing a lot of hard work but kept silent on it. And then eventually he sort of made this announcement on his Instagram page to great surprise from, you know, the rest of the world Mm. saying that he had felt unfulfilled and that he'd been thinking a lot about swimming and about sort of, you know, hopes and dreams that hadn't been realised and that he wanted to try and and make the Olympics. And at that point in time he was going to trial for the Tokyo Olympics um, that had been postponed, of course, to 2021 um, he, he knew that it probably wasn't realistic to make those, but he was, had the long-term plan of, um, making Paris 2024 and was sort of just looking at taking steps in that direction. Mm. So he was sort of a, a surprise packet, you know, he, he shocked everyone and people within the swim team said he was just, he was getting better and better. There was an interview with Emma McKeon, Uh, last week uh, she was saying that when he first returned she was beating him um, in his pet discipline which is butterfly for a while and as he improved he he started to beat her so Mm. you could see how quickly he was improving and then he of course the ultimate surprise came when he qualified for the COM games and that happened in May so he he squeezed in he finished third um, during the Australian team trials.
0: Right he's gone from pop star to professional swimmer in the space of just a few years really, that sounds pretty quick to me. Is it that quick?
1: Yeah, it is. But he obviously had the talent there and he had the body type there and he had the training from when he was um, really young. Mm. It doesn't make it any less impressive what he's done
0: so he's qualifying did that mean that he had moved away from music completely that he's he's a swimmer now he
1: hasn't he hasn't completely given up music he has released another album um he's still getting millions and millions of listeners around the world right so how has he actually gone in the commonwealth games so far so um he he has already competed in the 50 meters butterfly um he was knocked out in the semi-final so he didn't make it through to the final in that event um, he does have a gold medal as it stands. Um, and that's because he swum in the heat in the four times, 100 meter relay. So he was one of the members in the heat, but he didn't swim in the final, but because he was part of that team, he got a gold medal. So mm. congratulations. Um, and by the time this goes to air, he will have raced in his pet event, the 100 meter butterfly. And I guess we'll find out how he goes. There's a bit of expectation there. Um, I'd still be surprised if he won a medal.
0: Mm. So, Emma, as you've mentioned, the swimming team has also been at the centre of some tabloid-style news coverage. What is this controversy?
1: Yeah, I should preface this by saying that this has been really salacious and a bit icky mm. um, and it feels strange even talking about it because, you know, it's um, there have been so many tabloid reports about love triangles um, and it just feels sort of inappropriate, but the details are that, Emma McKeon was romantically linked with Kyle Chalmers, who's another Olympic champion um, last year, who was also representing Australia at the Games over in Birmingham right now, and she is now dating Cody Simpson. And what we've seen is the media really pick up on this dynamic. You know, they've described it as a love triangle and claimed it created tension within the swim team.
0: Right, so where did this narrative start about this supposed tension on the team?
1: So the controversy started well before the Games um, with the World Championships trials and what happened there was basically Cody Simpson qualified for the World Championships but he only qualified because Kyle Chalmers had said that he wasn't going to contest them. Um, Chalmers actually beat him in the race and just when Simpson thought that he had actually qualified, Chalmers decided at the last minute to swim at those championships and so... The reaction to that was one of, well, Chalmers has done that out of spite, as you know, sort of a a jilted ex-lover of Emma McKee and and he's done that because he doesn't like Cody Simpson. Mm. They were the reports that ran in some of the tabloids. Completely unfounded, I should probably add. Mm. And there were heaps of headlines about it. So, for example, Fox Sports wrote, Carl Chalmers to end Cody Simpson's swim swim dream amid rumoured love triangle. Mm. And that was just the sort of headline that was that was kind of front and centre for that period of time. But the narrative bled into the Commonwealth Games where we saw headlines from the Daily Mail. They wrote Cody Simpson's swimming love triangle with girlfriend Emma McKeon and her ex Kyle Chalmers is, in quotation marks, far from over. Um, the Daily Star ran uh, another similar one about a bitter love triangle that hits awkward Commonwealth Games squad and they've thrown in Miley Cyrus's name there for good measure. And then this all came to a head when Chalmers and McKeon won gold as part of the mixed relay team uh, on Friday night. And essentially the media started saying that after the race, Chalmers failed to congratulate McKeon, who had swum the final leg. And that, he said, is not true. McKeon says he did actually congratulate her. But there's just been so much, so many questions being peppered at him and being peppered at the rest of the team about this, this issue that, may not even be an issue it's it's just sort of blown up.
0: Right how has Chalmers reacted to this type of focus you know talking about a love triangle and him being jealous rather than focusing on the sport itself?
1: He had a massive crack at the media on Saturday night um he was pulled up in the mix zone which is that area sort of outside the pool once the once the swimmers get out of the pool they you know, the media can wait and they can do interviews with them. And so he was questioned about this straight afterwards. And he basically just turned around and said that, you know, he called it false news. He said that it had been completely fabricated, this whole love triangle narrative.
0: It's hard. It's hard for me to stand up and swim this morning it's probably one of the biggest challenges I've had to to face. Um, I think media don't realise, like I said on my Instagram, how much impact it actually has on athletes and mental health.
1: He said it had been damaging to his mental health. He had considered quitting swimming. He threatened to cut mm-hmm. off all ties with the media and not speak to them ever again. And really just kind of um, let loose, I guess, what he was thinking and probably would have been building for a few months. And so so that sort of compounded everything, I think in a sense. And there, was, there were actually a few social media posts from some of the other Australian team members after that, you know, saying that, it had really put a dampener on, you know, what was a great games for them. And yet the swim team were feeling deflated. Some of them were crying, you know, it, was, it just wasn't a nice feeling. And if, if anything, I think it, it probably forces the media to kind of turn, turn the lens on ourselves a little bit and just look at the way that we cover certain issues within sport. Next, are the Commonwealth
0: Games a relic of the past? Emma, the Commonwealth Games are pretty unique as far as international sporting events go. Can you tell me a bit about what sets it apart?
1: In terms of sport, um, there's a lot. I mean, the the Com Games has um, a lot of smaller sports that aren't in the Olympics. You know, we've got things like lawn bowls and squash. They're the kind of small sports mm. that get to have their day in the sun at these games. Um, netball uh, is also there. So for, for netballers, this is sort of... That this is their Olympics, I suppose. Um, mm. We've also got cricket. The women's T20 is new at these com games. It's the first time that they've had that. And as we know, our, our Australian team is hugely successful. We've got the athletics coming up. Um, Australia is very strong in that too. Mm. And it's also really interesting, the kind of pomp and ceremony around the Royals and and their attendance and, you know, the events they go to and all that kind of thing. Like, that, I just find that really bizarre, to be honest.
0: When you say pomp and ceremony, what do you mean? What kind of events have been in and around the Games?
1: It's It's more just that there's this sense that, you know, we are really sort of contesting a game under this mother country and this whole fascination with the Royals comes to the fore. I remember, for instance, during the 2018 Games, which were on the Gold Coast, I was a reporter there and and you get assigned a day of, like, you're the pool reporter for the Royals. So I literally spent a day following around Prince Charles and Camilla and wow. awaiting their arrival at a particular event it was the opening ceremony I was at and, you know, we have to sort of stand there deferentially and await their car to come and wait for everybody to shake their hands and, and record what they're wearing and, you know, try and catch a glimpse of what they might say. And, and it's <laughs> not even just the royals, it's the travelling royal press pack that really fascinated me as well. Just that there are people who, who cover these human beings full-time for their entire lives, you know? (laughs) I just, I found the whole thing just so strange, but there really is, there's just such a focus on it. I saw this type of reporting firsthand in the last games. And in this games, it's no difference really. I mean, People Magazine ran something last week that was about Camilla making a fashion statement. You know, she repeated a jumpsuit ensemble at the opening ceremony. So we've still got those kinds of stories which are making headlines, you know, which Royals can you expect to see at the Comm Games and at which events should you look out for them, all that sort of thing.
0: Can you remind us as to why the Royals are so involved? I mean, tell me a little bit about this the history of the Royals and the Commonwealth Games.
1: Well, the Games were started as uh, an event for Britain and its colonies um, in the 30s, so They were once known as the British Empire Games, then they were known as the British Empire and Commonwealth Games, and then they were known as the British Commonwealth Games. There's actually a quote in a recent article by my colleague Andy Bull from the British newspaper The Observer back in 1930 that says essentially the idea was to make the Empire look good. Um, The quote says, the British Empire has been likened unto a family of nations. The mother country and her offspring scattered the world over. It is wise to maintain the idea of unity by careful cultivation, lest the attrition of time take effect. So they were, in the words of historian Catherine Moore, a way to reconfirm and redefine the empire. So there's a lot of symbolism going on there.
0: Mm, I know that whenever the Commonwealth Games have been held in Australia, there's been protests on the streets, you know, Aboriginal activists have called it the Stolen Wealth Games rather than the Commonwealth Games. There's this real big pushback to celebrating colonisation, really. Is that conversation something that's happening in the UK and, and more globally?
1: Absolutely it has. Um, it's been happening in, in a lot of different countries, um, particularly, you know, those smaller countries, you know, in Africa and the Caribbean who are a lot poorer and who, you know, are still addressing the lasting impacts of slavery and colonialism on their people. And and what I've also found interesting is just even the way the world has changed um, in the four years since the last Games, it's shifted a lot and not just because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Many of those Commonwealth realms are sort of reckoning with, with their part, you know, under the mother country, and looking to to redefine their relationship with that country, and you know, making it on their terms, you know, like we had, Barbados last year decided to become a republic. Mm. You know, now now Jamaica and a few other countries are, are opening openly, sorry, discussing the possibility of following suit. So there is definitely a shift of public, you know, perception and attitude towards what these games mean and potentially what what they will mean in the future for what that actually looks like in four years in um, Victoria 2026 or in eight or 12 or whatever. It's going to be really interesting to see.
0: That was Guardian Australia's Deputy Sport Editor Emma Kemp. You can find more of her coverage at the Commonwealth Games at theguardian.com, as well as lots of other reporting from our colleagues in the UK, I would particularly recommend checking out Andy Bull's piece that we discussed in this episode called Commonwealth Games Must Confront the Truth About Its Sports Washing Past, as well as Athletic Feats at Commonwealth Games Cannot Distract from Britain's Colonial Sins by Tamani Cariol. This episode was produced by Karish Maluth and Joe Koning. Sound design and mixing by Dan Simo. The executive producers of full story are Miles Martignoni, Gabrielle Jackson, Molly Glassie, and me. Laura Maffiots Okay catch you tomorrow